Okay, welcome back to our Sutta study. Today we are studying the Alangandu Pamasutta, the simile of the snake. And again, the format of these sessions is that we'll spend some time chanting the actual Pali to get the original language fresh in our minds. It'll help us, or help me anyways, to uh, better provide or understand the meaning to provide an explanation of what's being said. And uh, for those of you who don't know Pali, well, it's a chance to hear, at least hear the echo of the Buddha's words in the original language. And then the rest of the session will be used uh, just reading and explaining the sutta. We'll go through the first half of the Alakadupama Sutta today. Just start in another minute at 6.59. Okay, well, 7 o'clock, we'll start now. Okay, so now we are looking at the actual text, and we'll start with the polygenity. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa That's just the beginning that we start by paying respect to the Buddha. Now we'll actually start the sutta. Evam me sutam me kam samayam bhagava Savatiyam viharati jetavane anathapindikasa arame Tenako panasamayena haritasanama vikuno Gandhavati pupasa evarupam papakam Tatambagavatadamandesitamajanamiyatayeme Haritasa kiranama bhikkhuno gandhavadi pubhasa Evarupam papakam dittikatam uppannam Tatahang bhagavatadam mandesitam ajanami yadayeme Antaraika dhamma vurta bhagavatate pasisevato Nāvam antarāyā yāti atakote bhikkhu Yena arito bhikkhu gandhabhādi pumbhote nupasangamitsu Upasangamitva aritam bhikkhu gandhabhādi pumbhangetadavoshyum Satrankirate avuso aritai varupam papakam bhittikatam upanam 
Tathaham Bhagavata Dhamman Desitam Adhanamiyatayeme Antarayika Dhamma Vutta Bhagavata Tepatisevato Navang Antarayayati Evam Yakovahangavuso Bhagavata Dhamman Desitam Ajanamiyatayeme Antarayaka Dhammavurta Bhagavata Te Partisevato Nalam Antarayayati Attako Te Bibhikku Arittam Bikkum Gadhabhadipuvam Etasma Papakadittigata Vivechetukama Samanu Janti Samanu Gahanti Samanu Bhansanti Mahevang Avuso Arita Vajjama Bhakavantangabhachikki Nahisadu Bhagavato Abhakkanam Nahi Bhagava Evang Vadeyan Aneka Pariyaye Navuso Aritandaraika Dhamma Anjaraika Vutta Bhagavata Alanjapanade Partisevato Antarayaya Apasadakama Vutta Bhagavata Bhavuluka Bahupayasa adinaho etabiyo Artikan kalupamagama uta magavata pe Mangsupe supamagama uta magavata Tinukamagama uta magavata Angaraka Supamakama Buddha Bhagavata Supinakupamakama Buddha Bhagavata Yashitakupamakama Buddha Bhagavata Rurukapalupamakama Buddha Bhagavata Asisunupamakama Buddha Bhagavata Sati Sulupamakama Vutta Bhagavata Sapasirupamakama Vutta Bhagavata Bahuduka Bahupaya Sahadina Boheta Vyoti Evampiko Arito Bhikkhugata Bhadipubo Tebhikku hi samano yunji amano, samanagahi amano, samanubasi amano, tadeva papakang dittikatam damasa, paramasa abhinivisa vimoharaji, evang vyako ayang avuso bhagavata damang desitang, Ajana miyataye me antaraika dhamma Uta bhagavata te partisevato nalam antarayayati 
Antaraika Uta Bhagavata Alanjavadi Patisevato Antarayaya Apasadakama Uta Bhagavata Bahuduka Bahubayasa Adina Vita Bio Atikangalupamakama Uta Bhagavata Pe Sapasirupamakamavutta bhagavata Bahuduka bahupaya samadhi navurita bhiyoti Evampiko bhante arito bhikkhu gandhavadi pubo Amehi samanyunjiyamano samanugayiyamano Samanubhāsiyamāno tadeva pāpakam diptigatam Tamasa parāmasa abhivaisa vohardi Evam yāko āmlāvuso bhagavata dhamam desitam nāshānāmi Yatāyeme antarāika dhammāvuta bhagavata Te pati sevato salang antaraya yati Yato ko mayam bante nasat kim harip stambikum Gandavadi po bang etasma papakaditi gatavi vejetum Atayang metamatang bagavato arochimati Atako Bhagavan Yattaram Bhikkhu Mahamatesi Eitvam Bhikkhu Mahamavacchane Naritam Bhikkhu Gandhapadi Bhubam Mahamatesi Satatam Avusuvarita Amantetiti Evam Bhante Dikoso Bhikkhu Bhagavato Bhattisutva Yena aripto bhikkhu gandhavadi pubo denu pasankami Upasankami tva aripton bhikkhu gandhavadi pubam Etadavocha satta samma uso arita amante titi Evamusa uso tiko aripto bhikkhu gandhavadi pubo Tassabhikkhuno patisutvayena bhagavadenu pasangami Urupasangami tva bhagavantam abhivadetvay kamantam nisidi He kamantam nisindanko arittam bhikkhum gandhabhadipubham Bhagavayetadavocha satcham kirate arittam Evarupam papakam dittikatam upanam Tataham bhagavatayamam desitam ajanami Yatayeme antaraikatamma huta bhagavata Te patisevato nalam antarayati Evam yako aham bante bhagavata dhammam desitam ajanami Yatayeme antaraika dhamma vuta bhagavata 
te patisevato nalam nantarayati kasvakotam tvamogapurisamaya evandam mandesitam najanasi Nanamaya Artikangalupamakamahutamaya Yashitakupamakamahutamaya Bahudukka bahupayasa adina vohita biyo Atacha panatva moga purisa atana duka hitena Amhecheva abhachitkyasi abdhananchakasi Bahuncha punyam pasavasi anhite moga purisa Bhavisati dikharatam lahitaya dukkayati Atako bhagavabhikku amantesi Tanki manyatavikave apinayam arito Bhikku gadavadipu bhusikatobhi Imasming dhamma vinayeti Kinhisiya bante no hitam bante ti Ewang bute arito biku ganda adipubo Tundiputo manku buto bantakando adumuko Pajayanto apadibano nisidi Atako bagawa aritam biku ganda adipubang Tunni bhutang mangku bhutang patakhandang Adomukam pachayantang apadibhanam vidiva Ariptam bhikkum gandhavadipubhang itadavocha Panyayisasikodvamogapurisaitena sakena papakena diptikatena Ilamiku patipuchasamiti Atako bhagavabhikku amantesi Tumhe pime bhikkave vandamangdesitamadanata Yatayam narito bhikku andavadipubo Atananugahitena mecheva abhakicat Chikati 
ಅರ್ಥಾನಿ ಬಹುಂಚಸವತೀತಿ ನೋಹೇತಂಬಂತೆ ಅನೇಕ ಪರ್ಯಾಯೇ ಅಂತರಾಯಿಕ ಧಮ್ಮ ಅಂತರಾಯಿಕ ಉತ್ತ ಭಗವತ ಅಲಂಚ ಪತಿ ಸೇವತಾಯ ಅಪ್ಪಸಾದ ಕಾಮ ಉತ್ತ ಭಗವತ ಬಹು ದುಃಖ ಬಹುಪಾಯ ಸದೀನ ಹೋಹೇತ ಸಾಧುಸಾಧುಕೋಮೇ ಅನೇಕ ಪರ್ಯಾಯ ಅಥಿಕಾಂಗಿ ಅನ್ಯಾಯ ಇತಿಂಡಿ ಸಂಸಿ ಸಂಕೀರ್ಸಹೇತು ದುಃಖ ಹಿತ ತಾ ಬಿಕ್ಕ ವೇದ 
Tasso <laughs> Eva me vako bika vee kache moga purisa dhammam pariya punanti suttam geyam veya karnam gatam pudanam iridamutakam jatakam abutadamam vedalam te tandamam pariya punitva te sandamam Panyaya atana upaparikanti te sante dhamma panyaya tamayupariparikatari nani janangamanti te uparambhivani samsaje vadamam pariyapunanti itivado Vadamopama nani sangsachaya sachataya Dhammam pariyapunanti tancha asa atang nanubhunti Te sante dhammalugahita digarartang ahita yadukaya sangvatanti Tangkisare tudugahita tabikave dhammanam Ida panabikave kachepulaputta dhammam pariyapunanti suttange yang vaya karananga tangudanam itivuttakam jatakam abhuta dhammam vedalam tetangdhammam pariyapunitva tesam dhammanam panyaya Atangu paparikanti te sante te dhamma panyaya atangu paparikantam nijanam kamanti te nacheva uparambadi samsa dhammam pariyapunanti nahitivadapamokani samsatram yasakat Chataya dhammam pariyapunanti tanjasa atam manuhonti Thaisante dhammasugadita nigararatam hitaya sukkaya sangvatanti Thangkisahetu sugadita tabikave dhammanam Sayata pibikave puriso alagatatiko alagada gavesi alagadi pariyasanam charamano so pasayamahantam alagadam 
Kincapisubikawayalagadotasapurisasahatangwabahangwaanyatarangwaanggaparangamukogehpogehpalimetayaatakosumewatatonidanam Tangki sahitu Te tam dhammam pariya punitva te sam dhammanam Panyaya tam uparikanti te sam te dhamma Panyaya tam uparikantam nichanam gamanti Te na ceva uparambani sam sadhamma pariya punanti Naiti wata pamokadi samsacha Yasasachata yadamam pariyapunanti Tanchasa atam anubonti Te sante dhammasukahita dikaratangata yahita yasukaya samvatanti Tam kisahetu sugahita labikave dhammanam Tasmati habikave yasame basitasa atanga janeyata Tatanam dareyata yasachapaname basitasa Atanga janeyata Tata patipuchita boyeva panaso yata bhikkhu. Okay, let's stop there. We didn't get halfway as I thought, so maybe we'll have three sessions. It's a long one. That was a half hour anyway. So, too long. So, the simile of the snake, there's a lot in this sutta. It's an another one of these incredible suttas that you really have to take the time to study. Very much worth the time that we take. So maybe we went even too far, but we'll see. This is our... We're new at this whole thing, so... We'll get better at judging timing as we go. Anyway. We'll get started on the simile of the snake, and we'll step right into it. Go ahead. Thus have I heard. On one occasion, the Blessed One was living at Savati in Jeta's Grove, Anatta Pindika's Park. Now on that occasion, a pernicious view had arisen in a bhikkhu named Arita, formerly of the vulture killers. Thus, as I understand the Dhamma taught by the Blessed One, those things called obstructions by the Blessed One are not able to obstruct one who engages in them. 
Okay, so we're starting in Savati Jaitas Grove. This is normal Anattapindika's part. Again, this is where the Buddha spent most of his time. So it makes sense that most of the suttas are there. So we have this pernicious view, and it's in fact um, the Buddha formed a rule based on this um, this story that we have to remember. We have to memorize for the Patimokas, the Jitya. If someone goes around saying this sort of thing, the monks are supposed to. Uh, uh, is it a pachitya? No, this is a. Uh, anyway, it's one of the rules. This is the Sangati Sesa. What is the rule? Trying to make a split? No, um, if you go around uh, claiming that the, the rules taught by the Blessed One or the Dhamma taught by the Blessed One, those things that are obstructions are not able to obstruct one engages in. If you, go, if you say this sort of thing, then the monks have to instruct you three times, and if you don't retract, then uh, it's a pachitya. So it's a um, standard verse. Let's see what Vika Bodhi says about it. Um, right, so it's um, the point is that you're contradicting the Buddha's, uh, the Buddha's enlightenment. The, the meaning of it is that um, I guess it's it's basically saying that the Buddha is wrong about or or it may be more um, detailed than that. He's describing certain things as he understands the Dhamma. Because you read the Sutta, it, it, it seems um, what he's actually saying is certain things. He's going around saying that certain things that have been called obstructions by the Blessed One, in this case it would be Gamma or sensual pleasure. He's saying, as I understand the teaching of the Buddha, sensual pleasure is not able to obstruct one who engages in it. So those things called obstructions by the Blessed One. I, I, I kind of have the feeling that the original thing he said wasn't that the things the Buddha says are obstructions are not able to obstruct those engaged in them because he's, he, in that case he's, um, he's, he's saying he, uh, as he understands the Blessed One, understands the Dhamma of the Blessed One, the Blessed One is wrong, right? As I understand the Dhamma of the Blessed One, uh, the Blessed One is is uh, contradicts himself, or the Blessed One is wrong, basically, which doesn't seem to pan out in the Sutta because um, the the bhikkhus, the way the bhikkhus chastise him is by saying the Buddha wouldn't have said such a thing. Mm. Right. Um, so he's 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 it's either it seems by this that he's actually criticizing the Buddha's teaching, but. Um, the feeling I get is that he's just getting it wrong because he's saying that sensual pleasure is, is okay by the Buddha. Like as I understand the Dhamma taught by the Blessed One, sensual pleasure is, is not able to obstruct. Basically that the Buddha never called those things obstructions. Right? I, I get the feeling that this was put in later. I, I, maybe I shouldn't go that far, but it's one of two things. Either the Buddha actually said or either, either Arita was actually claiming that, um, as I understand the Dharma of the Blessed One, it's wrong. Right? The Buddha was wrong. Or else he's saying, uh, as I understand the Dharma of the Blessed One, uh, certain things 
which uh, I don't think the Blessed One called obstructions, right? That, that certain things are not able to obstruct when it engages them. The problem being that the Buddha actually didn't say that, that the Buddha actually called them obstructions. So I'm getting the feeling that, anyway, that's how I interpret this. Otherwise, it, it, it's hard to make total sense of the admonishment that they give. And this this is backed up. Well, the, the whole thing is about uh, sexual uh, about um, sexual relations. So he came to the conclusion that there would be no harm if bhikkhus were to engage in sexual relations with women, and he maintained that this should not be prohibited by the monastic rules. I see. So perhaps the, the point is that uh, he's got a problem with the Dhamma, the, between the Vinaya and the Dhamma, because the Vinaya says you're not allowed to have sexual relations, but he doesn't see how the Dhamma, the Dhamma doesn't seem to uh, say that, or, or it isn't obstructed in reality. Right, so they should be allowed to have sex with women. That's basically his point, because he doesn't see, according to the Dhamma, as the Blessed One taught it, there's nothing, there's no reason for that rule. Is basically what he's saying. Okay, go ahead. Several bhikkhus, having heard about this, went to the bhikkhu Arita and asked him, "Friend Arita, is it true that such a pernicious view has arisen in you?" Right, these friendly monks going up and uh, doing their best to try and rid him of the view. Exactly so, friends. He's not, he's not having any of it. Exactly so, friends. As I understand the Dhamma taught by the Blessed One, those things called obstructions by the Blessed One are not able to obstruct one who engages in them. Then these bhikkhus, desiring to detach him from that pernicious view, pressed and questioned and cross-questioned him thus. Friend Arita, do not say so. Do not misrepresent the Blessed One. It is not good to misrepresent the Blessed One. The Blessed One would not speak thus. For in many ways the Blessed One has stated how obstructive things are obstructions and how they are able to obstruct one who engages in them. The Blessed One has stated that sensual pleasures provide little gratification, much suffering to despair, and that danger in them is still more. With the simile of the skeleton, with the simile of the piece of meat, the simile of the grass torch, with the simile of the pit of coals, with the simile of the dream, with the simile of the borrowed goods, with the simile of fruits on a tree, with the simile of the butcher's knife in the block, with the simile of the sword stake, with the simile of the snake's head, the Blessed One has stated that sensual pleasures provide little gratification, much suffering and despair, and that the danger in them is still more. Right, so here's the, the problem I had with the, the verses in their, in their admonishment is that um, they say he is misrepresenting the Blessed One, but he's, it, doesn't, it didn't seem like he's misrepresenting the Blessed One. But now if you, if you look at it, the third, this, this other way is that what he's actually saying is that those things in the Vinaya called obstruction by the Blessed One, right? those things that the Buddha prohibited in the Vinaya don't seem to be prohibited by the Dhamma. They don't, don't seem to be able to obstruct, the, obstruct one who engaged in them according to the very Dhamma that the Buddha taught, according to the Dhamma. So the rules are are bad. So, and what they're saying is, that's crazy because in the Dhamma it, it's all over the place that sexual and, and sensual pleasure is bad, sensual desire is bad, and that's what they're going to say. So it makes sense to me that way. I understand. It does make sense.
For in many ways the Blessed One has stated how obstructed things are obstructions and how they are able to obstruct one engages them. And these are the similes. So the similes, I'm not sure if I can remember all of these. The simile of the skeleton, uh, I think, is actually the simile of the bone. It's about a bone that's smeared with um, smeared with blood. If you give a bone that's smeared with blood to a dog, it's not going to satisfy the dog's hunger. In the same way, sensual pleasures don't satisfy the one who partakes in them. Right? Just like a bone smeared with blood. I'm not sure if that's the same simile. I think that's right. There's nothing else there yet. Pretty sure that the simile of the skeleton is, is uh, that a dog can't be satisfied by a bone. There's no meat on the bone, and therefore the dog uh, can chew and chew and delight in, 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 the, uh, in the bone, but will never satisfy its hunger. In the same way, someone who engages in sensual pleasures, no matter how much they engage, they'll never be sat satisfied. The simile of the piece of meat, I believe, is in regards to, I'm pretty sure, in, in uh, regards to vultures. So suppose there's a bunch of vultures, and uh, one of them finds a piece of meat and picks up the piece of meat and starts flying up into the air, will all the other vultures come and peck at him and, and, and attack him and fight with him for as long as he's holding onto the piece of meat? As soon as he drops the piece of meat, all the other vultures leave him alone. But if he goes and picks up the piece of meat again, he, uh, he, he, gets, uh, he gets attacked again. In, in the same way, a person who is set on sensual pleasures has to fight with others, has to... Uh, haggle, has to argue, has to um, come in conflict with people who want the same things as them. Come into um, competition. Competition, sort of, to compete with others. So, in the same way, sensual pleasures are a cause for much suffering and despair, little gratification. So you, you get them while you you get them while they're getting is good, but as soon as people come and try to take them away from you, there's the much suffering and despair and there's great danger. The simile of the grass torch is like a person who is uh, walking around with a grass torch and burns them, I believe. You just, you just said something involving a grass torch yesterday. But that was probably yeah, different. That was different. Uh, the grass torch, I think, is just in, if you're walking, in the, walking with a grass torch, you, should, you burn yourself. You think you're going to light up the room with a grass torch, but you just wind up burning yourself. If I remember correctly, the pit of coals is that um, I can't remember. It might be that a uh, leper finds um, finds delight with uh, hot coals, or maybe just that it's great suffering. Similarly, of a dream is that sensual pleasures are like a dream because they, when you wake up, you don't you can have a dream of like being in the land of Dairy Queen, or uh, uh, land of you can be in a dream with great pleasure and happiness and have everything you want come true in your dream or fantasy or so on, but when you wake up, it's not there. So, so too with sensual pleasures, in the end you're left with nothing. You can experience all the sensual pleasures you want, and at the end of the day you're left with no benefit, nothing to show for it. Borrowed goods, because you have to give them back, you have to pay them back, so Sensual pleasures are something that you build up, build up all the happiness and pleasure, 
and then the addiction that's left with you at the end of the day leaves you with suffering and, and despair like borrowed goods just like when you use borrowed goods is like um, the Buddha gives a simile of imagine this uh, a guy borrowed a bunch of stuff and uh, a bunch of rich clothes and a cart and a chariot and so on jewelry and then went around prancing around pretending like he owned the stuff well people would the people who owned it would see him and they would uh, take it all back and he would suffer as a result so like borrowed goods uh, so the same goes with sensual pleasures you eat them up and eat them up and at the end of the day you have to pay them back with your addiction and your frustration and not getting them simile of fruits on a tree can't remember what that one is something more than just fruits on a tree Similarly, a butcher's knife in a block, well, something to do with pain and suffering, I think. Sword, stake. Can't remember these, but they're somewhere. Let's see, where are they in the sutta? First sem seven similarities are expanded upon. Yeah, I think some of the last ones are not then. Anyway, we'll get to the, some of them in Majima 54. Sutta 54, when we get there. Yet, although oppressed and questioned and cross-questioned by those bhikkhus in this way, the bhikkhu aritta formerly of the vulture killers, still obstinately adhered to that pernicious view and continued to insist upon it. Right, so uh, an example of how not to be as a monk, not to be as a person, right? When people uh, criticize you, it's very important, and the Buddha is going to say it somewhere here in the sutta, it's very important to take it at face value. And when people praise you, it's important to take it at face value, to not be elated or dejected by people's praise or blame. Uh, otherwise you never find the truth, right? We should the Buddha said in the Dhammapada we should consider someone who points out our faults like one who shows uh, us buried treasure. treasure. And uh, it's an important part of the Buddha's teaching that the monks um, criticize each other. So we we anyamanyavachanina anyamanyutapanina we uh, live in mutual admonishment, mutual um, criticism. It's even among uh, lay people, lay people and lay people and lay people and monks. And all the lay people seem to think they can go around criticizing monks. <laughs> Did you catch your name? Did you catch it in here? I caught Moga. Moga, you got it, no? Yeah. Moga. Yeah. Wonder what it what it translates to in this sutta. Yeah, let's see. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> Misguided, I think, is what he, he he mistranslated. It's not exactly moga. It's not misguided, but he uses that this meaning. Okay, go ahead. Since the bhikkhus were unable to detach him from that pernicious view, they went to the blessed one, and after paying homage to him, they sat down at one side and told him all that had occurred, adding, "Venerable sir, since we could not could not detach the bhikkhu arita, formerly of the vulture killers, from this pernicious view." We have reported this matter to the Blessed One. Right. Tattletales, right? Mm -hmm. you no, know, they go to the source because they still at the time had to rely upon the Buddha as the um, as the arbiter. And when the Buddha passed away, the Sangha became the arbiter. So then the Sangha would make a resolution and would uh, pass judgment and whatever, kick, the, kick him out or put him on probation or something. First, they would call him up. They would just, they would act as the Buddha, but the, the Sangha would do it instead. A group of 
the senior monks would do, or the whole of the community of the monks, I guess, in total. Then you notice that throughout the whole sutta, he's called formerly of the Vulturculars. It's one of those long words uh, that we had to keep keep chanting. It's kind of like uh, they're saying something about that, because you don't get that with most of the bhikkhus. But I think eventually he leaves, and goes back to become a layperson or something. So the point is, uh, he's not a good one. My turn. Then the blessed one addressed a certain bhikkhu thus. Come, Bhikkhu, tell the Bhikkhu Aritta, formerly the vulture killers, in my name that the teacher calls him. Yes, Venerable Sir, he replied, and he went to the Bhikkhu Aritta and told him, the teacher calls you, friend Aritta. Yes, friend, he replied, and he went to the Blessed One, and after paying homage to him, sat down at one side. The Blessed One then asked him, Aritta, is it true that the following pernicious view has arisen in you? As I understand the Dhamma taught by the Blessed One, those things called obstructions by the Blessed One are not able to obstruct one who engages in them. Exactly so, Venerable Sir. As I understand the Dhamma taught by the Blessed One, those things called obstructions by the Blessed One are not able to obstruct one who engages in them. Boy, this guy is stubborn. There's, there's a move right misguided man. Here we Misguided man, to whom have you ever known me to teach the Dhamma in that way? Misguided man, have I not stated in many ways how obstructive things are obstructions and how they are able to obstruct one who engages in them? I have stated that sensual pleasures provide little gratification, much suffering and despair, and that the danger in them is still more. You know, he's just going to repeat all of this. With all these similes, you don't have to. I have stated that sensual pleasures provide little gratification, much suffering and despair, and that the danger in them is still more. But you, misguided man, by your wrong grasp, have misrepresented us, injured yourself, and stored up much demerit, for this will lead to your harm and suffering for a long time. So this is the standard uh, insult that the Buddha gives to uh, to monks when they do when when he really really is is uh, fed up with them. Moga purisa, you're uh, useless. The word isn't misguided. It's uh, moga means useless, empty, vain, barren. Devoid of any benefit. It's translated a lot as worthless, man. Worthless. Uh, it's actually a word in Thai. They use this word, moka, directly translated, but it's from the ga, ga into a ka, moka. And they don't use it just for people. It's like when you do something, and I don't know if it's just used by monks. I think it's used by ordinary people as well. Uh, if you do something and it doesn't bear fruit, you say, tam leo moka. Something like that. I mean, it's uh, means didn't get anything. Uh, like the, the name Mogaraja. Of course, Mogaraja is different because it's actually the name of one of the 80 great disciples. So, the question is, how could one of the 80 great disciples come to be called Mogaraja, which ostensibly means useless king? Right? But it doesn't. It's because Mogaraja's kingship was useless. He realized that kingship was useless, was barren. There was no happiness. The happiness of being a king, the pleasure of being a king was meaningless because he was sick. He got very sick as a king and realized that even all the great, all the great things that he got being a king 
we're nothing, we're meaningless. You know what? Because he's still subject to old age, sickness, and death. It makes me think that he was, they, they called him that because he was useless as a king by being so sick. No. Like they would say. No, in fact, he was called it by his teacher about about a past life. In a past life, he had been a king. He wasn't a king in the, in, in the life that he was given the name. That's that's what I mean. As as a king, he was useless because he was so sick. No, no, that's not what he says. He says it's because the happiness, happiness. the happiness. There was no happiness in being a king, mm. so his kingship was useless. Mogang rajang sukang yasma mogaraja tatoham. So he calls him Mogapurisa, and as a result of misrepresenting the Buddha, oh, bad stuff. Lead to your harm and suffering for a long time. Right. Uh -huh. It's an act. So they did perform, the Sangha did perform an act of suspension on, against the Rita, and it becomes a Pachitya. Then the Blessed One addressed the bhikkhus thus, Bhikkhus, what do you think? Has this bhikkhu Arita, formerly of the vulture ki killers, kindled even a spark of wisdom in this Dhamma and discipline? How could he, Venerable Sir? No, Venerable Sir. Right, so... Again, with the Socratic method, let's see, let's let's ask ourselves why he came to this, this, this uh, idea. So, you know, has he gained any wisdom that might make you think he's, he knows what he's talking about? How oh, could he, Venerable Sir? No, no, Venerable Sir. When this was said, or it, maybe it's more like as a result of, of this view, do you think he's, do you think, do you think this shows that he's kindled even a spark of wisdom? I mean, the fact that he doesn't get that the Buddha was against sensual pleasure, sensual desire? No. Certainly he doesn't know what the heck he's talking about. Has no idea, has no spark of wisdom. When this was said, the bhikkhu Arita, formerly of the vulture killers, sat silent, dismayed, with shoulders drooping and head down, glum and without response. Then, knowing this, the Blessed One told him, Misguided man, you will be recognized by your own pernicious view. I shall question the bhikkhus on this matter. No pity, really. This is, this is characteristic of the Buddha, that he shows no pity for people. Because he knows, he's, he sees right through the guy, and he knows... But the only way to to shape him up is to shut him down. There's no, there's no. Uh, if he says, "Oh, it's okay," you know, try your best, go on. He's just going to go back to living as a bad, bad monk. So eventually, they have to suspend him. And can't remember if he actually quits or not. Then the best one addressed the bhikkhus thus. Bhikkhus, do you understand the Dhamma taught by me as the speaker Arita, formerly of the vulture killers, does when, when by his wrong grasp he misrepresents us, injures himself, and stores up much demerit? So he's now turning to the monks and going to ask them about it, whether they uh, agree with him. And they say, no, Venerable Sir, for in many ways the Blessed One has stated how obstructive things are obstructions and how they are able to obstruct one who engages in them. The Blessed One has stated that sensual pleasures provide little gratification, much suffering and despair, etc., etc., etc. The um, the main issue that we take with sensual pleasures is not that it doesn't bring you pleasure, and this is what we saw in the earlier suttas. 
it's that there is this danger, the uh, danger of addiction and, and inevitable dissatisfaction, inevitable uh, disappointment uh, through not getting what you want. There's something that, um, that does have a certain amount of something that is considered to be, well, there's the pleasure to them, right? The uh, disadvantage is really that the pleasure is meaningless, that there's no inherent goodness to it, and in fact a lot of danger, as the Buddha says, it uh, leads to the addiction. So the practice is not to uh, denounce or not to, uh, not to reject or rant and rail about the evils of sensual pleasures. The, the practice is to understand them is to look at sensual pleasure and to uh, reject it simply as useless, as meaningless, to reject it as uh, dangerous, as, as rejected through wisdom, through understanding. So this is why our practice is all about objectivity. We look at pleasure and we look at pain, we look at them uh, as w with objectivity, without judgment, without attachment. And we cultivate a mind that is objective, freeing ourselves from the desire, the attachment to pleasure and pain. Good bhikkhus, it is good that you understand the Dhamma taught by me thus. For in many ways I have stated how obstructive things are obstructions, and how they are able to obstruct one who engages in them. Etc, 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 start here. But this bhikkhu, Arita, formerly of the vulture killers, by his wrong grasp, misrepresents us, injures himself, and stores up much demerit. For this will lead to this misguided man's harm and suffering for a long time. Yeah, this is actually all... This is why we've not gotten halfway through it, because it's all repetitions. Bhikkhus, that one can engage in sensual pleasures without sensual desire, without perceptions of sensual desire, Without thoughts of sensual desire, that is impossible. This is a very important doctrinal statement because some people uh, think that you can enjoy the sensual pleasures without the arising of sensual desires. Now, this doesn't mean that one can't experience sensual pleasures. The, 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 the word here is engage in, in, in terms of seeking, in terms of uh, um, cultivating, right? Acting to give rise to. So if you, when you do things, when you engage in activities, or when you um, seek out or have intention to give the arising, to give or give rise to sensual pleasures, to think that that kind of thing could occur without sensual desires. Some people think you can engage in sexual activity. You can engage. You can listen to music and so on. Technically speaking, it's true. But the whole problem is with the engaging, that, that you can... Uh, so people slip into this idea that there's nothing wrong with it as long as you're mindful of it. Um, the problem is that when you're mindful, there's no desire to do it. So you just the, walk away. The, the, the actual fact that you're engaging in it... Um, is, uh, is is already a sign that central desire has arisen. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that, so if, if this, this monk in the Vinaya who was lying on the bed and he was raped, these women came in and 
had their way with him while he was asleep. Um, I don't know if you can call that rape when someone's asleep. I guess they yes, do. It is. Well, I know, but it's a different kind of rape. It's not. It's not the same as when someone says no, no, no. It's. Is it just as bad? <laughs> it's just as bad. Okay. I, I guess it's. Just, <laughs> of course, yes. It's just. It's horrible. Um, I mean, it's. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just as bad. And then, right, of course, when, it, when someone's drunk, they shouldn't laugh about it. It's a horrible, horrible thing. Um, but um, he was an arahant, I believe, or or he was he was totally um, exonerated. He had done nothing wrong, of course, because he was asleep. Uh, there was another story of the monk who was tied down, I think, and he was forced into sexual activity. Story of the bhikkhunis who were raped and so on. So the, the arahant bhikkhuni Upalavana who was raped. Um, so obviously, the, uh, the it, it can be. You know, there's no question that it can be in, it can be experienced, even not that there's much pleasure in, in all those cases, but certainly can be experienced without uh, central desire. The point here is uh, the engaging where one seeks out or delights in the liking of it. Yeah, I don't know about the translation here because he's trying to differentiate between sensual pleasures. It's just ambiguous, and that's why I want to make it clear that what is really being said is that the um, cultivation of it, cultivating sensual pleasures, necessitates addiction, basically. So it leads to perceptions. These perceptions are the, the recognition when you see it again or when you see something similar to it, the same desire arises. When you... Um, that's the perception and thoughts about it arise. So thoughts about when you're going to get it and how to get it and thinking about it and planning and scheming and so on. And now we get to the simile of the snake. Here, bhikkhus, some misguided men learn the Dhamma, discourses, stanzas, expositions, verses, exclamations, sayings, verse stories, marvels, and answers to questions. But having learned the Dhamma, they do not examine the meaning of those teachings with wisdom. Not examining the meaning of those teachings with wisdom, they do not gain a reflective acceptance of them. Instead, they learn the Dhamma only for the sake of criticizing others and for winning in debates, and they do not experience the good for the sake of which they learn the Dhamma. Those teachings, being wrongly grasped by them, conduce to their harm and suffering for a long time. Why is that? because of the wrong grasp of those teachings. Right, so um, these are, first of all, let's point out, these are the nine, this is the ninefold um, categorization of the Dhamma according to the Buddha. So all of his teachings, the discourses are like, this one's a discourse, stanzas are the verse teach, are the I don't know, stanzas and verses are different, and there's an explanation of what each of these are, I can't remember. Expositions are those uh, suttas or those teachings that are meant to explain other teachings, so on, sort of commentaries. Exclamations are the itivuttaka, that's a, a branch where the Buddha gave the, or is that the udana, I can't remember. Yeah, exclamations are the udana, sorry. Sayings are the itivuttaka, birth stories are the jataka, 
the marvels are the abhuta, whatever. Can't remember. And answers to questions. Um, maybe certain suttas are answers are called answers to questions. I can't remember. But in all, this is how the Buddha uh, delineated his teaching. It's standard, standard delineation or categorization. Okay, but the point is, um, one can go around learning the Dhamma, and many people do this, but they do not examine the meaning of those teachings by wisdom. Now, I'd want to, of course, suggest that this doesn't just refer to thinking about, but, uh, but meditation, and the wording here is not, doesn't give that, right? But I would say that the, the actual meaning that the Buddha meant to put into his words in Pali is not to just sit around examining the meaning and thinking, but the point is, Banyaya. Banyaya atang. Atang is the meaning. Banyaya means with wisdom. So they do not examine the meaning of those teachings with wisdom, and that's the problem. We, uh, um, if you just accept them at face value, or if you just um, learn them uh, by rote, learn them by the mind, and even just think about them, then it's very easy, as Arita did, to get them wrong. There was a guy I knew, uh, I won't say who he was, he's a Pali translator, he told me that he'd read the Pali canon twice in Pali. The entire Pali canon he read, in, in, he read through twice. And he was telling me his, ex, his understanding of the Dhamma was that the only way to become enlightened was to hear the Buddha's voice. It wasn't the teaching, it was the Buddha's voice that caused people to become enlightened. And so after the Buddha passed away, it was impossible for people to become enlightened. Quite a ridiculous view, in my, in my opinion, and uh, a perfect example of what's being said here, that uh, through great learning, without practice, he, was also, he also said he had no luck in practicing meditation and couldn't, couldn't, uh, couldn't practice if he tried. He had tried and failed and so on. And so uh, came to this wrong view. And uh, so such people are in learn the Dhamma only for the sake of criticizing others and showing off and winning in debates and being you know, smart and so on. Not like us, dumb, simple people. But you know, there's really something about in about the Buddhist teaching. There, it's characteristic of the Buddhist teaching not to praise, um, not to praise learning. Except in select instances, to praise practice over learning. Obviously, it's characteristic that most Buddhists are able to sense right away. If you read, if you study, if you practice, you realize quite quickly that the Buddha says this sort of thing quite often. That, uh, in fact, he's not saying here that it's wrong to learn, but that the the emphasis is on the uh, examination of wisdom, or the study of the meaning, or the delving into finding the meaning with wisdom. And here I would say, no, this isn't with intellectual activity. This is with practice. Panya. Panya, um, well, really means wisdom, but in, in a Buddhist sense refers to realization. The true wisdom can only come through the meditation practice. And I, we have to emphasize that anyone, no one should take away from this that you should just sit around and think about or talk about or use your own wisdom, because the Buddha didn't talk about that as wisdom. That's called hammering it out with reason 
which is what, uh, in one of the earlier suttas, what one of the guys accused the Buddha of. He said, uh, the Buddha leads people to freedom from suffering, but it's just something the Buddha's hammered out with his own intellect and reason. That's not wisdom. Wisdom is realization, which comes from seeing things as they are. So when when you hear that the Buddha said that uh, sensuality is this and that and the other thing, you should investigate that. You shouldn't take it at face value and use it as a way to gain, gain praise and fame and win debates and so on. You should use it to, or you should study it and find the truth out about it. Understand the deeper meaning. Because of wrongly grasping them, conduce to their harm and suffering. Anyone who has these wrong views is really in a bad way. Problems. Because they'll go in the wrong direction, they'll lead other people in the wrong direction. The wrong idea about what is the truth and so on. Suppose a man needing a snake, seeking a snake, wandering in search of a snake, saw a large snake and grasped its coils or its tail. It would turn back on him and bite his hand or his arm or one of his limbs. And because of that, he would come to death or deadly suffering. Why is that? Because of his wrong grasp of the snake. So too, here some misguided men learn the Dhamma, etc., etc. Why is that? Because of the wrong grasp of those teachings. So two ways to grab a snake. This is the wrong way. You don't grasp the snake. But also makes a, there's a, a simile of the grass. If you grasp, if you take the grass by the, in the wrong way, it cuts your hand. And here's the simile of the snake. In the same way, wrong grasp of the dhamma is likened to a snake or grass. If you grasp it the wrong way, it cuts you. It's something that we often say about the dhamma. It's a power. The Dhamma is, pow is power. It's a powerful thing. And so in the wrong hands, it can actually be more dangerous than someone who doesn't have the Dhamma. Just knowledge is the same. If you have knowledge of, um, or sorry, ordinary knowledge is the same. If you have knowledge of nuclear energy, you can make a nuclear bomb or you can make a nuclear power plant, both of which, neither of which is really that good, as we can see. But the point being, um, good and bad can come from knowledge and, and so goes with the Buddhist teaching. If you take the knowledge and pervert it, um, it can be used for even worse than not having the knowledge at all. And this goes sometimes with meditation even. People who have wrong ideas about meditation practice and practice using wrong understanding of the Dhamma will often drive themselves crazy, destroy their minds, well, temporarily anyway. Uh, which was which which makes them worse off than not practicing at all. So a correct grasp of the dhamma is like is important. If you need a snake, snakes can be good for stuff. I don't know what, but if a snake is good for something, you know you have to grasp the snake where 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 it's proper to grasp. But if you grasp it by the tail, no matter how good the snake is or how powerful it is, it's not going to do you any good. It's going to do you a lot of harm. So too with the dhamma. Here, because some clansmen learn the Dhamma, discourses, answers the questions, and having learned the Dhamma, they examine the meaning of those teachings of wisdom. Examining the meaning of those teachings of wisdom, they gain a reflective acceptance of them. They do not learn the Dhamma for the sake of criticizing others and for winning in debates, and they experience the good for the sake of which they learn the Dhamma. Those teachings, being rightly grasped by them, conduce to their welfare and happiness for a long time. Why is that? 
because of the right grasp of those teachings. So the exact opposite. These people do practice meditation and do meditate on the teachings and examine the truth and gain reflective acceptance. They do not learn it just to argue and they don't give rise to wrong views. It's just like a man eating a snake, seeing a snake, wandering in search of a snake, saw a large snake and caught it rightly with a cleft stick. Cleft stick, the translation is actually a uh, uh, goat hoof stick. Yeah. A stick that looks like a goat hoof. Two clefts. And having done so, grasped it rightly by the neck. Then, although the snake might wrap its coils around his hand or his arm or his limbs, still he would not come to death or deadly suffering because of that. Why is that? Because of his right grasp of the snake. So too, here some clansmen learn the Dhamma, etc., etc. Why is that? Because of the right grasp of those teachings. Therefore, Bhikkhu, when you understand the meaning of my statements, remember it accordingly, and when you do not understand the meaning of my statements, then ask either me about it or those Bhikkhus who are wise. So uh, that's, again, the correct way to grasp the teachings. Is important. The correct grasp of the teaching is important, just as the correct grasp of the snake is important. No matter what arises in your meditation practice, if you have a correct understanding of the teaching, you can deal with anything. And so the Buddha admonishes, when you understand the meaning of my statements, remember it accordingly. When you do not understand the meaning of my statements, then either ask me about it, or those speakers who are wise. You know, he may just be saying, he may not be talking about meditation, he may be saying, if a person correctly understands, even intellectually, his teachings, then bad things don't come about. Right? So he may not be talking about meditation yet. Mm. That uh, once you learn the teachings and memorize them, make sure you understand them correctly. If you understand the meaning, uh, if, you've been, if you understand it as it's been explained to you, remember it like that. When you don't understand it, when you understand it differently, and you should talk to someone about it and try to adjust your understanding. Okay, and that's the that's the end of the of our of tonight's portion of the Angalan the simile of the snake. Thank you all for tuning in. Tune in tomorrow for our second portion. Probably we'll do it in three parts at this rate. Maybe next time we'll split it up into four if we have long suttas. Okay, thanks for all for tuning in. Have a good night.